Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top-of-mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of BDO in the Boardroom. I'm Amy Rojic, Director of BDO Center for Governance. I'm so happy to have the chance to sit down with Lisa Hendrickson to discuss how boards can be stymied into inaction without a clear approach to identifying and aligning organizational sustainability through innovation and technology. Lisa is ready to describe a framework directors can use to spark or fan the existing entrepreneurial flames within their management teams to work in concert with various stakeholders on the continued renewal of the business and advancing its sustainable business practices. But first, a little about Lisa. She's an innovative strategic business leader, entrepreneur, and co-author of Boom, Deciphering Innovation, How Disruption Drives Companies to Transform or Die. Her human-centric approach to delivering business value through executing innovative strategies is based on a simple idea that impactful concepts and technologies are successfully designed and implemented when they're aligned with what people aspire to. This elevates the human experience and redesigns value creation. This is the thread that ties together her work. Lisa currently serves as S&P Global Head of U.S. Corporates and Strategic ESG Account Specialist. Lisa's prior roles include serving as COO of HCC, an innovative luxury interiors brand, Director of Strategy at Scient, helping companies implement new internet-enabled products and services, and she is also an adjunct professor of sustainable design for entrepreneurs at SUNY FIT, and further describes herself as an entrepreneur, which we'll discuss momentarily. Lisa, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me here today, Amy. I am delighted to be having this discussion with you today. Great. Well, we're going to dive right in, Lisa, because when we first spoke, I was so intrigued by by your thoughts. So I'm going to ask that before we begin, I'd love to hear how you, over your career and in the various roles you've held, have developed your view of sustainability and what it can mean to the future of an organization. Perhaps you can also tell us some of the areas where friction can build within the organization that may create inaction that can likely put companies at risk. That's a a great question and multidimensional. So throughout my career, I've noticed themes. I've seen appearing and reappearing across roles and in industries. And so when I started my career, I had uh, I had done two venture-backed tech startups, and I was a director of strategy for one firm where we were looking to reduce the friction of onboarding and using new software. And we knew that we made awesome products, and it was, at the end of the day, it was creating an environment where people embraced that change, given that the software would drive efficiencies and ultimately better outcomes. But looking at how people did or didn't engage with what we could create, 
regardless of looking at better outcomes for customers, clients, or or the organization itself, was really eye-opening. So just creating something didn't mean the implementation was going to be a, a, a foregone conclusion. Learning how to work through that friction to be able to have employees, stakeholders be able to embrace the future that that software was designed to do to, will help remove that friction. But that is the key. And so when I became COO of one of the first sustainable design and manufacturing companies, I brought what I learned about innovation and change with me from my technology roots. And to innovate in a staid industry means we have a certain amount of room to make change, perhaps creating the environment for change to happen first, maybe altering our approach 5%, 10%, and ultimately that made all the difference in the world. Sometimes being able to look at change, sustainability in the organization is speaking about what will remain the same for some, and then being able to season in what that change is, is going to be. So oftentimes that people ask the question, what is the impetus in creating a sustainable manufacturing plan? And that was really twofold. The first being, why would we create something new using old technology. That was the first idea. And the second was the macroeconomic trends that I saw on the horizon. We saw growing middle class, growing global population, meaning resources would be more scarce, more expensive, being able to look at that and taking on sustainability at its first cut through efficiencies. And now, of course, when we look at sustainability, we're also looking at inflation and what inflation has done to those scarce resources. So you have competition, competition for resources, inflation, scarcity, and growing population inside of markets. So all of that came together to create the idea of sustainability. Yes, there's some halo in there. We thought about sustainability in a holistic approach, starting with maybe material sustainability, but then looking at the organization itself and what would be sustainable outcomes, giving long-term career prospects for our employees, and also the benefit, the overall benefit. So we really took on starting with environment, but moved to a holistic approach with that. And to speak about friction, if I could continue, um, friction, I realized, regardless of sector, comes from that new idea, that new strategy, that new method meeting incumbency. I like what you had to say there. I think a lot of what we see is kind of the fear of change. And I think the way you just categorize that working on the environment first to be an enabler of change is really important. And I've, I've seen that in, in practice throughout my career as well. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head with that. 
And in looking forward to build sustainability within an organization, it is going to take change because as you, as you cite, there are so many macroeconomic trends that are impactful to the multitude of companies out there. And I think it's wise to kind of take an outward look to move inward. So, so maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the book you co-authored and please start, start with the name and how the name came up with and maybe share how the premise is being used by today's organization to shift focus toward sustainability. Well, great question. You know, um, it's a it's a funny story. My co-author was actually my first boss in professional services. And he called me up one day and he said, we really have to write this book. And I've known him for about 20 years. He went from being my boss to being my colleague to being my friend. And um, we, we always had these very, I thought they were really juicy conversations about organization and organization building. And that's always been something that's fascinated me. Um, because I just look at the work environment really as an extension of society itself and how do we operate well together. And he and he said, I want to do this book on innovation with you and really encapsulate a lot of our conversations into it. But through our our the book, what we realized is we were going to create a book for people like ourselves. People are excited about the change. People are really interested about these. And we realized that we didn't need to read another book that agreed with our viewpoint. We needed to write a book for people who were afraid of change, for people who were looking at it where change didn't make sense. And the truth of innovation and where we are now is the inevitability of change and the rapidity of change inside of organizations, but also the rapidity of innovation itself. When we looked at, and going back to my COO experience, there are many small manufacturing plants that still operate in a way that could be 1970. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. And I'm sure as BDO, you all work with a manufacturing base that that scales the gambit of those experiences. But those kinds of organizations are very difficult to bring and change and to speak and prove to it. And in order to continue that life of that organization, we knew that change was inevitable. So we wanted to speak to organizations that focused on how we might change. So the first part of the book is really identifying how does change feel? For example, uh, we have, and, it, and the book is, is a little flippant, the tone of it in some ways. It may say, you used to think disruption was a telemarketer calling during supper time. Not so much anymore, but it's the same idea of disruption. And in taking on how to unpack what does it feel like? What does it look like? And what are these large macroeconomic trends impacting what change looks like in a very simple 
almost picture book way. This book is deceptively simple because we wanted people to be able to think about how they feel about change and what does that actually for them inside of the organization. So if I could say in that book, what we don't say in it is incumbency is powerful. Incumbency says this has worked in the past with the assumption that that same formula is going to work in the future. And with the rapidity of innovation, that may not be so. Let's go back to that operation, that manufacturing plant that's operating like it's 1970. They are counting on the persistence of that incumbency. Whereas I like to say understanding entropy, that eventually everything that worked breaks down. So if we grow and have exponential growth, what I find is that we stay in a system too long and that those systems break and we have to create something anew. So then often breaking the system seems like a crisis rather than an opportunity. And going back to the book, we try to encapsulate, hey, winter is coming, you guys. Take a look. These are the things that are happening in the world. And then here's some action steps, right, that you may take once you understand what is the foundation of innovation. What does that look like now? And again, that 5% or the 10% alteration in how we're thinking in order to create a new outcome. So the book really is, is taking on that stubborn friction, being able to work to unpack how might we be able to view this in a different way and be able to move from rather than a crisis to the opportunity. So this is a podcast for board, board members. Um, so, and I think we, we alluded to at the outset, we would provide a framework. So maybe when we think about the role that board members play in the oversight of the strategic direction of the company, and again, we, we often see such friction when the concept of adopting a holistic approach to creating sustainability when the business is raised. Do you have a simple yet extremely tangible and relevant framework that you shared with me? So I'd love for you to share that with the audience. Absolutely. I've created this framework through years of academic work and having literally thousands of students come through my classroom, whether they are from large organizations looking to create change through entrepreneurship or they are entrepreneurs themselves. What I like to look at and what I call this framework is measure, report, and reduce. You can use this overarching framework in a number of different ways, but the, the framework itself in measuring just has us understand a baseline. What is actually happening? To be able to create a benchmark, like Peter Drucker said, I'm paraphrasing, you cannot improve that which you do not measure. 
You can't improve anything if you don't know where you are. And we're pretty good at benchmarking, whether it's financial benchmarks, but if we're looking at a sustainable organization, we can start with an environmental benchmarking. We could look at social metrics and benchmark those. Being able to understand where we are gives us power to be able to say what our past has brought us to our current state. The next step is reporting. Having salient reporting, consistent reporting, whether it's internal so that we can take what that benchmarking is and understand it consistently over time, whether it's quarter to quarter, it could be every half year, it could be annually. And this reporting also might be regulatory, by the way. So if you're in Europe and you're listening to this, you have regulatory reporting that is coming on different benchmarking. So being able to see what those results are, and then stepping into creating a reduction strategy, reducing our environmental impacts. We also might be reducing uh, the kinds of risks that we're undertaking inside the organization, whether they're physical risks coming from uh, climate events or looking at uh, other risks to the organization, being able to have that cadence will really help an organization be able to set a, a consistency. And I know that we all are looking to crave consistency, uh, whether we're on board or we're in uh, the executive suite. And we just wanna also add something about innovation inside of this very simple framework. So we may say, when we reduce, we have to put a plan together. And that plan may come from a place that we haven't been working from, or that we've tried and feel like we haven't been successful yet. So the difference between entrepreneurship entrepreneurship and consistency with our current programs is entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are asking questions. Questions like, how do I make this? How do I make this? Which opens a door for things that can and oftentimes are messy. And sometimes in the organization, we may call that failure. I call that learning. We have to be able to have enough tolerance to eliminate the things that aren't working, but we have to try them out. When we are looking at our current programs in large organizations, large enterprises, ask the question, how do we make this better? That is a different question. And that one word, makes all the difference in the world. So if we're asking the question, how do we make this? We must have tolerance to be able to have a runway for learning and learning and finding our pathway, which ultimately will lead us to a successful approach to innovating. Whereas parts of the organization that are asking the question, how do we make this better? They stay in that, that reduction pathway of perhaps we're reducing costs or, or re, uh, uh, 
redundancies in the organization, things like that. So as asking a question as a board member, perhaps boards can put together that task team, really be able to say, what are our tolerances for innovating and looking at new approaches? And I say that is that coming from the board and having sponsorship and sign on to this kind of approach really does guarantee that change can happen and innovation happens inside of the organization because there is a mandate. So going back to our, you know, measure, report, and reduce, we can have that cadence working inside the organization and the board leadership can say, here's where our tolerances are. This is where we're learning. This is where our efforts are going to go. And also the board can, can reassure the organization that when we innovate and change things, not everything has to change. Some things, culture will stay the same, relationships, how people work together, the positivity we have in the organization, our company's mission, right? So there's a lot that stays the same. But we have to have leadership in saying, this is what innovation looks like. This is what our cadences and our tolerances are. I, I love those thoughts. And I, I think you're, you're coming from a place where the underlying assumption is that those things are already strong, right, to enable that to happen. I think in, in companies where, you know, maybe taking a step back to some of the first things you were talking about is creating that environment. Sometimes it is the culture. That has to, you have to start with that. So Lisa, I, re I really appreciate your comments today and I really thank you for joining us. And please tell our audience where they can find your book. Oh, well, that's so nice. So the book is Boom, Deciphering Innovation, How Disruption Drives Companies to Transform or Die. It is available online uh, at Amazon. Uh, it is online at Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, uh, and any independent bookseller as well. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for spending your time with us today and appreciate your thoughts. Good luck in, in your all of your roles that you're currently serving on. And thank you for our audience for tuning in today. And we look forward to inviting you back to another episode of Video in the Boardroom. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash BDO Knows Governance.